just a quick reminder this Wednesday, Lord willing, we'll be starting our study or really a discussion in the book of uh, Disciple Reboot. We'll be starting that this Wednesday. Read the first chapter and we'll discuss that uh, in our study this Wednesday. <clears throat> if you need a copy, I think there's three books remaining in the back. Feel free to take one. If you need to, if you have a copy of God's word, let's turn together to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll be continuing what we started uh, the time uh, that we were here in these verses. We looked at the proper response to discipline. This is the proper response to discipline, part two, Hebrews chapter 12, looking again at verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12. And 13. I want to remind you again, this is God's word. This is not my word. This is not the right of Hebrews word per se. This is the word of God. So let's give heed to God's word. And just for the context, I want to start reading. I want to go all the way back to verse number one of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses your sons. My son, do not regard lightly the, the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the, dis, the Lord disciplines the one, who, the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respect them, respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, and he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hand. 
and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This is God's word. A writer has mentioned time and time again this idea of endurance in the Christian race. Said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, you have need of endurance. Can I tell you? You too have need of endurance in the Christian life. God calls you. He calls you to endure, not just to travel through the Christian life, but to endure. He said here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We all have a path that God has ordained for us to run individually and as a corporate body. And we're to run. We're to run with all our strength. We're to run with all our might. We're to run undistracted by sin. We're to, we're to run dealing with sin and, and putting aside things that will hinder us in our, in our, you notice I'm saying our, our run together. This is a journey we're all on. We're to, to, to run with all our strength. We're to have the right perspective. While we run the Christian race, we're to, to look to Jesus as we run, as we struggle, as we face hardships, as we face difficulties. We're to, to look to Jesus. That's to be our perspective, Jesus Christ. And when things get, get hard and, and when they get troublesome for us, we're to remember Christ and his suffering and his cross. And remember that he endured the difficulties of sinful men coming against him. And, and I thought about this, Christ looking to Christ and his cross. This is a, an expression of God's love for us as we look to the cross of Jesus Christ. As we look to Christ and remember him, we remember that we're loved. We're loved as their children. And this is why the author goes on in Hebrews 12 and he talks about, have you forgotten that you're sons, that you're children of God? Perhaps some of you have forgotten that this week. You came to church burdened with your troubles and hardships and you began to look inward and forgotten that you are a child of God and whatever hardship you're dealing with, whatever trouble, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, it is because of God's discipline and training. Amen. That's what it's for. We forget that. We forget that whatever it is, whether it's challenges, with our spouse, whether it's a challenge with our children, whether it's a challenge at work, whether it's a challenge 
Wherever we go, whatever the challenge is, it is a part of God's discipline and training. Whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, it is a part of God's training for you. We forget that. We think we 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 forget we forget what God has said in his word. So we look to Christ. Remember God's love. We're to remember that we're sons, which is another expression. When God is sending hardships and we're crying and we and we don't know how to get out. God is he's loving us. Even though it may be painful. He's loving us. And this is what the writer has already reminded us of from Proverbs chapter three, verses 11 and 12. It's in difficulties and sufferings and hardship that God is treating us as children. He's loving us. He's not showing displeasure toward us. He's not. He hasn't deserted us as his children. We're in the school of hard knocks. We're in the school of life. Life is hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I listened to John MacArthur yesterday, an excerpt from his sermon. And he said, in this world, we don't we think in this world things are going to get easy. He said, in this world, we don't win. We lose. We're going to die one day. The victory is not in this world. The victory is in the world to come. We're going to suffer. We're going to have hardships. Jesus knew this with his disciples. He, he, he knew that when they understood the true reality that he was leaving, that they needed help because they was going to struggle with the fact that he was leaving. And he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy He said, I will not leave you as orphans. An expression of Jesus' love toward those whom he called to follow him. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. When I go to, to go to the Father, it is good for you that I go to the Father. So because when I go to the Father, I'll send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you and in you. With us today, he's with us. As we journey on this, 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 this race together. And, and remember, the, the Simon Peter, it, this this was important because we know Simon Peter denied Jesus Christ when the pressure and the pressure of life uh, without Jesus Christ began to press in on him, and a and, and a and a young lady came to him. You know him. He denied Jesus Christ. That's that's life. We sin as we struggle. To deal with life with, 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 with without Christ, uh, uh, physically with us. And Jesus told Peter in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to uh, 32, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan, he, he has asked to shift you, uh, shift each of, each of you like wheat. But Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. The Lord prayed for, for Peter. And the disciples, because he knew 
that the Christian life was going to be hard for them. He said, Simon, he said, I pray for you, Simon, that your faith fail not. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. That's what the journey becomes for us, beloved, in this world as we go through hardships and trials and tribulations. It's not to turn away from Christ. It's not to get weary. It's not to get discouraged and stop running the Christian race. It's to look to Christ and be strengthened so that we can strengthen our brothers and sisters. Christ prayed for the strengthening of Peter and the apostles. Christ prayed for us and our strengthening through his through the word of God in John chapter 17. And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. To, to, to cause us to, to look outside of ourselves and beyond and beyond the hardships and the sufferings to Jesus Christ so that we can be strengtheners and not discouragers. Strengtheners and not discouragers. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. So we remember the last time we discussed strengthening what is weak? The author, uh, he commanded them to, to strengthen what is weak because of the implications of God's loving discipline, because they understood God's loving discipline, that he's dealing with them in their hardships and sufferings as, as sons. The, the, the author of Hebrew says it's not time to run the waste with weariness and weakness. He's exhorting these Jewish believers, remember, to receive strength from the teaching of God's discipline and to keep running the Christian race. He says in verse 12, lift, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weakened knees. Remember that, that these believers are, are because of their trials and, and their persecutions, they have grown discouraged and they wanted to quit. They wanted to quit before finishing the race. And here, in verse 12, God commands them to continuously, uh, continuously strengthen their running by dealing with their discouragement. He alluded to, remember, Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3, where Isaiah is, uh, gives a word of encouragement to, to, the, to the, the people of Israel. And, and, and he, as he reminded them of, of God's sovereignty as he reminded them of God's promises. He says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees, Isaiah says. And reminding them of the sovereignty of God, he goes on later on in chapter 45 of Isaiah, 45 verse 7, and the scripture reveals that God is sovereign over trouble. The, the, uh, God says this, the one forming light and creating darkness causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Are you experiencing calamity in your life? Are you experiencing troubles and trials and tribulations and sufferings and afflictions in your life? Where does it come from? It comes from the loving hand of God, your father in heaven. This is what Isaiah, if you read Isaiah, uh, my, my, uh, I'll be preaching at a, at a regional uh, fire fellowship in October. And my assignment is Isaiah chapter 40, 
verses 1 through 5, if you just go and read Isaiah 40 and forward, you will see and hear all kinds of encouragement from the sovereign God to a people who are who 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 is getting ready to go into exile and, and, and experience all kinds of difficulties. Remember our study in Lamentations. That's all about Israel and it's the aftermath of of what of, of them receiving God's discipline and 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 and, and receiving the, the really the judgment of God it's the aftermath and there's nothing but sorrow after sorrow and Isaiah comes along and he strengthens them with the promise that that things are going to get better one day because God promises to 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 keep uh, to keep you, those who believe in him, and he is sovereign over all that takes place. This is what the writer is telling these Hebrew believers. You know, God, I've just revealed to you the nature and character of God, your loving father, that he's treating you as sons. I've just revealed to you the nature and the work of Jesus Christ, the high priest, the Lamb of God. I've just rehearsed to you in chapter 11, person after person who trusted in the promises of God and things was good for them when they trusted in the promises of God. You need to lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weakened knees. The testimony before you should give you cause to run with strength. To run with strength. And, 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 and another thing by Isaiah, Isaiah 35 and 3, it not only it's not only referring to them to be strengthened themselves and individually. It also implies, Isaiah also is implying in that they're there to look around and strengthen others. They're to be looking around for and strengthening what is weak in others. And this is what the Hebrew writers, uh, the Hebrew readers, the readers of Hebrews are ought to do as well. They're to trust in the sovereignty of God. They're to put their hope in the promises of God. And they're to look to, to, they're to, to be strengthened by and to strengthen others. And we see this with what he says next. You, you just stay on the path. Look, look what he says in verse 12. And make straight paths for your feet. You're here. Your feet here. Is plural. The, the the author here he's 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 quoting. This is verse thirteen. He he's quoting Proverbs chapter four verses twenty six and twenty seven. Turn back there real quick. Proverbs chapter four.
in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Matter of fact, go back, go up to verse number 23. And here Solomon writes, keep your, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away your put away from you crooked speech and put the de devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The author has used this wisdom from Solomon and what he is saying to the Hebrew readers. He's saying that it's, it's not time to stray away from the course. Stay, stay in your lane. Stay, stay in your lane. He says, make straight paths back in Hebrews, make straight paths for your feet. He's saying, stay, stay on the path that God has set out before you. Don't wander away from the path, but stay on the path, the path that the path of righteousness, the path that that God has 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 laid out. Uh, in, in his word, he has said, this is how you to run. Stay, stay on that path. Stay on that path of righteousness. Don't divert from it. Matter of fact, look at uh, chapter four again of uh, Proverbs. Look up to verse number 11 and 12. Verses 11 and 12. And here, Solomon writes, and was writing to, to his son, he says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. Why? Because Solomon says he has taught his son the way of wisdom. Verse 8 says, so when you walk, your step would not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. Right? This is what the Hebrew writer desires for these believers. Back in Hebrews chapter 12, that they run, they run in a way that they will not stumble, that they will not stumble as a corporate body, that they will not stumble as individual believers. They, they, they will not stumble if they take heed to God's word and obey God's word. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, Psalm 119 Verse 10 says, how shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the word of God? The psalmist warns 
in, in, in Psalm 125, verse 5. And this is, I'm quoting for the NASB. He says, but as for those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead them away with doers of iniquity. Proverbs 4 and 15, uh, uh, Proverbs 4, uh, verses 14 and 15 said, do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. You see, beloved, we must, as a corporate body, stay on God's path rather than turning to walk and create our own path. And it's important. It's important. Because remember what the writer has warned the Hebrew Christians of, apostasy. Apostasy. Those who will give the appearance of running the Christian race and one day drop out. The writer is warning against that. He's saying, stay, make straight paths for your feet. Make straight paths. That part of making straight paths is the preaching and the teaching of God's word. Making straight paths is living in obedience to God's word, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, coming together to pray making straight paths so that we can run together the Christian race. Isaiah warned of those who turn. In Isaiah 59, verse 8, he says, they do not know the way of peace. And there is no justice in their tracks. They have made their paths crooked. Whoever treads on them does not know peace. You follow down the path of someone who is going crooked and going astray. They won't lead you down the path of peace. You'll be discouraged like they're discouraged. Going down the wrong tracks. In, in, the, in the Christian race can be tragic. Matthew 7 and 13, Jesus hinted at this. He said of the Christian life, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. There's a way that seems right unto, the, uh, unto a man, but the way is destruction. It leads to destruction. So the writer is saying, do not turn to the right or to the left, lest you become an apostate. And this is a corporate function. This is something that the church together is to do. This, your feet, he says, and make straight paths for your feet. In Proverbs, is singular. Solomon is talking to his son. It's singular. 
here in Hebrews is plural. The writer takes Solomon's admonition to his son and applies it to the corporate body of Jesus Christ. Your feet make straight paths for your feet. This, this is an appeal that is meant not only for us as individuals, but collectively. As we continue in our Christian lives, we, we, we must not only keep watch over ourselves, but we must help weak and struggling believers who are among us. And this is not a, it's not a matter of, the Christian race is not a matter of demonstrating how much better you run than other people, how much faster you are, how much stronger you are, how better equipped you are, how better trained you are, how better prepared you are. Now, the Christian race is a journey where we're all running together. We must be on alert for anything that hinders us from running together. Any attitudes, any sinful dispositions, any sinful living, we must be on alert because these are hindrances. We, and, and, and we must help smooth out the path and make straight paths, not only for ourselves, but for others on the same road. Scott Lindsay said this, he noted, quote, a fragmented, fractured community would not prove to be the support and encouragement that it needs to be in order for the individual members of that community to remain faithful and encouraged in their pursuit of the Lord, end quote. When we're fractured, when we're fragmented, when the focus becomes ourselves or when it becomes, when it becomes, when our focus is narrowed, instead of being a wide focus lens where we focus on everyone, we have a, a narrow, narrow focus, we narrow in that leads to disunity. It leads to the community being fragmented because somebody is going to be left out. Somebody is going to be left out. They're not going to get the encouragement that they need. They're not going to be strengthened like, like God desires them to be strengthened because Perhaps we have become focused on certain people and certain things. This leads to factions. And it's, a, it's evidence of little love for the body of Christ. Factions and little love leads to discouraged people being left on the wayside. 
They could be a child. It's important that we speak to the children. If they're in this congregation, don't walk by a child like they're not important. They may be discouraged. They need they may need to be strengthened in some kind of way. And I can tell you when 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 discouraged people are not being helped in the church, it's a cancer. And the church will slowly die. The church, is, it'll slowly die. It'll slowly weather away. Because the work that God has called all believers to do are being neglected. This is a corporate responsibility to writers. He, he's, he's, this makes straight paths for the congregation. Make straight paths for your feet. We're to do everything that is possible to ensure that anybody who is in this congregation who professes Christ, that they do not falter in their confession, that they don't apostatize, that they don't give up in the Christian race, that they keep their hand to the plow, that they do the work that God has ordained for them to do. The writer goes on, he says, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather heal, but rather be healed. And the image here is when a person is running and if they're injured, they could limp. And they develop a limp while running. If, if that limp, whatever the issue is that's causing them to limp, if it's not dealt with, if it's not addressed, it could become something worse. If, if, if that what is, is lame is not dealt with, and here the author is pointing to those who are in the congregation who are weary and discouraged if 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 those who are in a sense spiritually lame have become spiritually lame because of the hardships because they perhaps don't understand the discipline and the training of the lord and they have become weary and discouraged these individuals could begin limping in the christian life and the Christian life becomes difficult for them to run. And as they limp in the Christian life, and if they don't get any help, things could get worse for them. In other words, when a person is struggling spiritually, they that's when they are most prone to get off track. And if help is not given, the Christian who is struggling could do greater damage to themselves. They can perhaps go after drugs. Perhaps they can go after pornography. Weary and discouragement could lead to 
a person giving themselves to some type of sin, they can get off track. And the writer is saying, we must make straight paths, twisted ways, debris. I've run on tracks where you get tired, and if you're not paying attention, you go to the, the old tracks, and they got, you know, the, the, it's been around for so long, they got some holes in it. You could be running along. Or, you know, I've, I've done it uh, running uh, and for PT and it's nighttime and running. Not, not nighttime, but in the early morning in the dawn. And I'm tired and not paying attention. And I step in a hole, sprain my ankle. And I began to limp. My ankle hurt. You know, if you hurt your ankle, it's not just going to affect your ankle it's going to affect your hip your hip is going to start hurting you're going to be lame you're going to be limping you're going to need some help you don't need somebody to come along i need to go to sick call go see the doc you know doc oh he's going to give you some motrin just put some dirt on it give you a motrin you'll be all right we're not to, but but we're we're to have so so such concern for one another First of all, that we can see when somebody is limping. It, it, it would be, it, it's a sad fact to come to church and be hurting and nobody noticing because they're so focused on themselves. That's why you need to get around, talk to everybody. Because there are some there, there, there are people who are lame. There are people who are lame here this morning. There are people who are who have drooping hands and weak knees here this morning. And so do you have the love of Christ in you that compels you to move toward them and point them to Jesus Christ so that they can be strengthened? Do you have the love of Jesus Christ to, 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 to make straight paths for those who are weak so that they won't be dislocated or disabled, but that they may be healed. Leon Morris writes this quote, the writer is mindful of the fact that Christians belong together. They must have consideration for the weak members, uh, for the weak among their members, i.e. the lame. He goes on, he says, by taking care of the defective members of the congregation, the stronger members can help them along the way. Where the Christian life is in any way out of joint, steps should be taken to revitalize it, end quote. Spurgeon said this, quote, we're to make straight paths because of lame people. You cannot heal a man's bad foot, but you can pick all the stones out of the path that he has to pass over. You cannot give, uh, you cannot give him a new leg, but you can make the road as smooth as possible. 
Let there be no unnecessary stumbling blocks be to cause him pain. He says the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, evidently cares for the lame ones. The charge he gives is a proof of his concern, of the concern he feels. He bids us to be considerate of them because he himself takes a warm interest in their welfare, end quote. We should be concerned for one another because Christ is concerned for each and every one of us. God uses each one of us to, he wants to use us to strengthen our brothers and sisters. He gives us the grace. He gives us the comfort. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. He gives us the grace to, 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 to know how to run the segment of the track that we're on so that we can help others who are unfamiliar with running that same track. He gives us the grace to do it. Why is God so good to you? So that you can be good to others. We're to help other people find direction for their life when they lack an understanding of the direction they're to go so that they can experience the spiritual healing of God's grace. This healing here is healing what has gone wrong. This is Paul. Paul has said something similar to this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Romans chapter 14, verse 1 says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but, for, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinion. James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, James says this, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way Shall, uh, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We must be alert, beloved. We must clear any hindrances uh, on the path and, 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 and point others straight ahead to press on to Jesus Christ. And listen, listen carefully here. We must be careful not to turn. Uh, uh, we must be careful not to run in a way that discourages others. Let that soak in for a minute. We must be careful not to run in a way that discourages others. A prideful heart doesn't care about. The welfare of others, a, a prideful heart shows a lack of submission to Jesus Christ. And, and, and it's, a, it's a sign that something is wrong, that something is lame when a person is indifferent to others because of pride. 
And here's another one. Complaining. Complaining is another sin that harms not only ourselves, but it harms others. When we begin to complain, we are beginning to put ourselves in a place to cause others to trip up. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul commands, do all things without grumbling and disputing. You see, when we turn our conversations that we have with one another, rather than looking at ways to strengthen and, and point each other to Christ, when our conversations turn into opportunities to grumble and complain about our difficulties, it, just, it doesn't help anybody. We, we, we don't give testimony to the goodness of God to us in Christ when we begin to grumble and complain. Our testimony is not effective. Our testimony in regards to the uh, effectiveness and the sufficiency of the word of God, that that testimony is ruined when we begin to grumble and complain. And Jesus warns us about this. When, when causing, and this should give us great concern, causing a disciple of Jesus Christ to sin if we grumble and complain and we get people pulled in to our grumbling and complaining, we can cause them to stumble. And Jesus warns us about this. He says, when you cause a disciple to sin, it's a grave offense. He warns in Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 through 6, he says, and whoever receives such one, uh, 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 one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. That is the word of the Lord. And we must be so careful among ourselves. The Reformation study by the Reformation Heritage Study Bible said on this, it said how one relates to the humble disciple of Christ reveals his relationship to Christ himself. Christ said, if you receive one of these, these children, he's talking about uh, disciples, you receive me. To cause one of them to stumble, you're working against Christ. And so I, I close here. By the grace of God, we're to be spiritual encouragers, not discouragers. We're to be spiritual encouragers, not discouragers. When people come around us, they end up being discouraged. 
We're to, we're to encourage others by pointing them to Christ to be strengthened. As we learn to walk with Christ in our daily walk, in the practical, in the, in the practical uh, living of, of our day, as we learn to, to walk with Christ, to look to Christ, to be strengthened by Christ, to be encouraged by Christ, to be built up by Christ as, as we know the word and we learn to apply, as we learn to apply Christ and all that he is and live in light of who he is, we become, we, we now are given the grace by God to help others who may be struggling. So we're to be spiritual encouragers with the grace that God has given to us. And we see other Christians struggling to trust God in their suffering. When you see other Christians fighting through despair and discouragement. The best help that you can give is your testimony. The best help you can give is the testimony of how Christ is working in your life. Take them to the word. This is what, in my opinion, biblical counseling, why it's so important in the church. It's not just for the pastors and the elders. We're all called to admonish one another. We're all called to know how to take the word of God and sit down with someone who is discouraged and needs strengthening. We're to know how to take the word of God and sit down with them. This is what discipleship is all about. Making disciples is, is, is all about knowing how to come alongside someone with the word of God in order to help them spiritually. That's all of our, that's all of our, if you're a believer, God has called you to that. Whether you like it or not, you can't get away from it because God has commanded that we do this for one another. Incur Remember we went through the one another's? You remember that for Bible study? We didn't go through all of them because there's so many. Because that's God's concern. This is how God keeps the church healthy is one another's. And when we get so distracted by what we're going through, we're missing out on something. We're missing, we're missing out on joy. It, it is, I can tell you, there have been times where I did not feel like going and, and, and ministering to someone. When, when, I, when, when I come to church, got, there have been times where, where there are things on my mind. And, and, and I was distracted. And, and, and I come to church and I, and I, and I hear of somebody struggling. And then the fight begins in my mind. You need to put what you care, your concerns to the side. You heard what this individual said. You need to, you need to be obedient to, to God and, and, and encourage them. And I can tell you, there, there have been times where I was going through the darkest times of my life and God gave me opportunities 
to have someone who was not who was going through something that what he wasn't even like what I was going through. It could be considered light. And God gave me an opportunity to strengthen them through the word of God, sit down with them with the word of God. And I can't tell you the joy that came over my heart because I was obedient to the word of God and gave and put the needs and the concerns of somebody else above that on my, of my own. God know what he's telling us to do. He knows that it's good for us when we put the cares and the concerns of it's good for us. It, it's, it brings joy. It strengthens you. And when you do that, when you come along some, uh, alongside somebody, you put an arm around them. It's not it not only strengthens you, but it strengthens them. Don't you want that? One of the things, it's so hard. One of the challenges is it, it, it is so hard to help those who think that they have already arrived. One of the hardest things is to help Christians be Christians sometimes. Because we don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to be challenged from the word of God. And we put ourselves in a place where we can cause, be the cause of somebody else stumbling because of our arrogance and because of our pride. The author calls us out of that. Remember others. Remember that you're all in the same race. We're all on the same journey. You're all running the Christian race and you're to watch out for others. You're running on a track and we used to do it when we're running for PTA, man. There's a pothole up there at the turnaround point. Be careful. Be careful that you don't run into that pothole. You're running. Oh, man, I just I just tripped. I almost stepped in this big hole. Be careful. It's, it's up. Where is it at? It's, it's up there. It's, it's right up there. This is what we're to be doing with one another. If you see someone who is weak in the faith and want to give up, God calls you to help them. Come alongside them, just like the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and encourages us and strengthens us. Point them to Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit works in your heart. Because this is what Christ says about the Christian life. Even though it's hard, the labor is tough, but Christ says this to us when he called us to follow after him. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest that we need to find, the rest that gives us the strength that we need is only found in Jesus Christ. Christ says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for, my, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
and we point others to Christ. That's that's our life goal. Point others to Christ so that they can be strengthened. Point others to, to Christ so that they can find rest for their souls. The rest that only comes with being united with Christ. You can't give comfort. And this is one of the things that Isaiah in chapter 40, he gives a command. Isaiah chapter 40, after a dark period of, of, of judgment, discussing judgment with the nation of Israel in chapter 40, the first two words of Isaiah chapter 40 is comfort, comfort. Comfort, comfort my people. Why? Because that is what God desires for his people. He, he, he knows we're going to struggle, but he has already provided for us the comfort that we need in Christ. And we're to take advantage of it. Amen. <clears throat> Let us pray. Father, you have called us to to run the Christian race. And we'll talk more about some of the hindrances and how we're going to, uh, and the things that can cause spiritual pitfalls in the weeks to come. But Father, take this word that we have heard in regards to helping those who may be struggling and, and even with ourselves when we're struggling. Help us to be honest and face the reality that we're weak. We're all weak. And there's nobody that is, that is beyond need of your help, of your grace. We're all in need of grace. At every step of the way, every step that we take along the Christian, this Christian race, we, we all need your grace. We're dependent upon you to enable us through the Holy Spirit to, to, to run in a way that honors Jesus Christ. And we can't do it apart from ourselves. And, and Father, often your discipline and, and your training comes in, into our lives to remind us that we're not to depend upon ourselves. That, that, that it's, it's the, very th you, the, the very thing that you're after in our lives often is the very thing that we try to protect. We try to protect ourselves from you. From feeling the discouragement of living in a, a body that is that has remaining sin, having a mind that still is able to to think on to think sinful thoughts. We could be so prideful and want to protect ourselves when you're trying to help us by breaking us, by crushing us so that we can cry out to the only one who can help us, which is you. And Father, we all need the grace to not only help ourselves, but we need the grace to help one another. And we need, to, we need a, the grace to, to sense the urgency of this that this is an urgent task that we're to partake of because of the threat of apostasy, of people turning away from the faith. We have teenagers who will be going off to school one day 
and, may, and they may proclaim that they are following Christ while they're home with us and one day abandon the faith. Father, let not that be, let, let not our indifference be the reason why someone abandons Jesus Christ. Let it not be an excuse why someone turns away from Jesus Christ. Help us to do this work that you are doing in us. We thank you for your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.